today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You wouldn't think in a million years of all people this good king, King Hezekiah, would fall in this way. But it reminds me of what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians about being very careful if you think you stand, lest you fall. And isn't it true that we let our guard down in those areas that we think we stand the strongest in? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. In the story of the tortoise and the hare, the hare's confidence was his downfall. He was so sure of his ability to beat the tortoise that he lets his guard down, falls asleep, and loses the race. Well, today, Pastor J.D. says the same thing happened to King Hezekiah. His pride and lack of vigilance led him to make some poor decisions. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 38 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Why don't we pray and we'll ask God's blessing on our time together in His Word. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Lord, this is um, for us a time that represents a, a respite of sorts from the busyness of our lives and the cares and the affairs of the day and all that's coming against us and all the pressure and the stress. And it just seems like the world's getting crazier by the moment. But you, O oh Lord, are that rock, and it's upon that rock which we stand. On Christ the solid rock we stand. And everything might be crashing in around us, but we're on that solid foundation. And you are that solid foundation, and you steady us, and you ready us. And Lord, we cannot thank you enough for that. Lord, we always look forward to that time where we can just open up our Bibles and, and just open up our hearts. And you minister to us as only you can, and you speak into our lives, and you settle us, and you calm us, and, and you give us that peace, that peace that surpasses human understanding. Lord, we need you now. Keyword now. <laughs> now, Lord, we need you now. And Lord, whatever we have need of, your hand will provide and has provided. And Lord, thank you for that. Lord, thank you for this study that we have, these two chapters that we have before us. We're looking forward with great anticipation. And Lord, thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our time together. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so the two chapters before us bring to an end the first section of Isaiah. And with it, sadly, we're going to see Hezekiah's error in judgment 
at the end of his life, such that Hezekiah, though a good king, one of only nine kings, of whom it was said they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He was only one of nine. All the other kings did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And so Hezekiah was a good king, but though a good king, he did not finish well in the end. And as we're about to see, God in His grace gives him 15 more years of life. But sadly again, he falls at the end of his life, and the way that he falls is very interesting. It, it's one of those things where you wouldn't think in a million years of all people, this good king, King Hezekiah, would fall in this way. But it reminds me of what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians about being very careful if you think you stand, lest you fall. And isn't it true that we let our guard down in those areas that we think we stand the strongest in. And it's in those areas that we're the most vulnerable to fall prey to the temptation. Because we shore up the areas in our life that we know are weaknesses. And we do so at the expense of those areas in our life that we think, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm good here. And so we don't pay the needed attention in that one particular area. And make no mistake about it, the enemy waits and takes note of that. And he waits for us to divert all of our attention to that area in our lives where we know we're vulnerable and weak. And then as soon as he's got us focused on that, we tend to fall in the areas of our greatest strength. And I think about Peter. Here's a guy that by any stretch of the imagination would be seen as being very strong in the area of his courage. That was arguably his greatest strength, right? I mean, he had the courage to say to the Lord in that storm, in that boat, Lord, bid me come. And then he had the courage to step out of that boat by faith and walk on water. That takes faith and courage both. This is a man who had the courage that night, that fateful night, when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And here's Peter, like, this isn't going to happen. And he takes out his sword and he cuts off the ear of Malchus. And Jesus has to, you know, <laughs> say, Peter, this is a spiritual battle and you're not going to fight it with carnal weaponry. And he takes that ear and he heals Malchus. I'm convinced that guy got saved that night. <laughs> We're going to see him in heaven, new ear and all. And uh, But he had the courage to take on the entire Roman army. You would never think in a million years that Peter would fall in the area of courage and boldness. Yet, how did he fall? He denied the Lord three times because he didn't have the courage to stand up to a girl who questioned him about his association with Jesus. 
And he swore, he said, I swear to you, I never knew that man. He fell in the area of his greatest strength. Be careful if you think you're standing strong in a particular area, lest that be the very area that you end up falling and failing in. So what's going to happen with Hezekiah? Well, as we're going to see, he falls for the flattery from the king of Babylon. What's interesting is that Hezekiah falls to the temptation of pride upon receiving a flattering letter from the king of Babylon. He remains steadfast, trusting in the Lord, upon receiving a threatening letter from the king of Assyria. What's up with that? I mean, he, he, he receives this threatening letter from Sennacherib, lays it out before the Lord and prays and cries out to the Lord, and the Lord hears his prayer and delivers him miraculously out of the hands of the Assyrians. And then he gets another letter, this time not from the king of Assyria, but from the king of Babylon. And it's a very, it's actually not even so much a letter as much as it is a get well card. Aww. And not only is it a get well card, he also sends a gift as well. Wow. The king of Babylon, no less. Oh. He framed it, I'm sure, on his wall there in the Well, this is interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that oftentimes flattery can be more dangerous than adversity. Let me say the same thing in a different way. You know, when adversity strikes, I think we're more prone to just (laughs) fall on our face before the Lord. Lord, help. But boy, during times of adversity, I think of uh, a title of a book I have in my library. It's a very old book, but it's titled The Agony of Affluence. That would almost seem like a paradox or an oxymoron, right? I don't put agony and affluence in the same sentence. I'm thinking happiness and affluence would be in the same sentence. No, the the agony of prosperity. You know, prosperity comes packaged with perils, numerous perils. Sometimes I think it is more difficult to deal with prosperity than it is adversity, because see, during times of prosperity we tend to get puffed up and arrogant and proud, thinking, hey, look at me. And that's exactly what Hezekiah is going to do, by the way, as we're about to see. But there's something else here, and to me it explains, not excuses, why it is that he fell in such a manner. Conspicuously absent is any mention of prayer when he receives Babylon's letter. As we saw, his first response when he receives Sennacherib's letter, prayer, prayer. Ah, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself. One more thing before we jump in. 
Chapters 1 through 39 is the first part of Isaiah, and chapters 40 through 66 are the last part of Isaiah. We're going to turn a corner at the end of chapter 39. Actually, chapters 36 through 39 are parenthetical in terms of their chronology. They serve as a bridge of sorts to the last section and as we segue into the next section. Now this is going to be important to our understanding, germane to our understanding, because we're going to read, not chronologically, we're going to read an account that actually happened prior to the Assyrian account that we read. In other words, that hasn't happened yet. But it was parenthetically, like a parenthesis, it was inserted in the account, and it will happen, but we are in these two chapters, and it hasn't happened yet. And that's going to make sense here, I think, as we get into this. Now, notice there are 66 chapters in Isaiah. Isaiah has been affectionately referred to as a mini-Bible, because the first section has 39 chapters, which represents the 39 books of the Old Testament. And then the second part of Isaiah has 27 chapters, and that represents the 27 books of the New Testament, for a total of 66 books, 66 chapters. So anyway, just I know some people really enjoy that kind of thing, and you know who you are, and you don't have to raise your hands. We know who you are too, so isn't that cool though? I love stuff like that, whatever. I know they have clinical terms for that, so. All right, you ready? Let's jump in. Buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> We're in for a bumpy ride. In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Have a nice day. <laughs> I, wow, really? <laughs> okay, wait, what? I'm going to die? Yeah, thus says the Lord. Get your affairs in order. You're going to die. Uh, okay, well, to Hezekiah's credit, we're off to actually a good start. In light of this, he does turn to the Lord in prayer upon hearing this from Isaiah. And we have that recorded here beginning in verse 2. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, verse 3, now listen to this prayer. Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart, and have done what is good in your sight. Now stop right there before you read any further. Now doesn't that at first read kind of seem a little bit like he's trying to approach God on his own merit? Yeah, I've been a good boy, God. I've been a good king. I've done that which is good in your sight. I've been loyal. I've walked in truth and... Uh, remember, 
not like God forgets, you know, remember Lord? Oh yeah, that's, that's right. Could you imagine how scary would that be, right? But he's just bringing to the Lord's remembrance that, hey Lord, um, I've been a good king. Now the reason I emphasize and highlight the first part of this prayer is because the next four words, I believe, are what moved the mighty hand of God. Not the prayer that he prayed, but the cry that he cried, because we're told, and Hezekiah wept bitterly. He didn't just weep, he wept bitterly. Kind of imagine in your mind's eye this weeping, I mean you're, you're weeping so bitterly. I mean it's like a convulsing, weeping, crying, moaning. I mean you're, you're praying from the depth of your soul, and it's the kind of prayer that there are no words for. These are what one has called liquid prayers. It's not really a prayer, it's a cry. And I would suggest that it's because of this cry that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of his cry, not based on the merit of him being a good king, which he was. But I believe that God heard and hearkened unto the voice of his cry because he wept bitterly. Now here's what we read in verse 4, And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days fifteen years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. That's what I mean by it's germane to our understanding to know that chapters 36 through 39 are parenthetical, not chronological. We thought we already did this. We already checked this off of our list. No, it hasn't happened yet. So I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, and I will defend this city. And, now God didn't have to do this. This is the grace of God. It's God over answering a prayer. You know what I mean by that? You know how when you've prayed, and God not only answers the prayer, He over answers the prayer like bonus. That's His grace. That's His mercy. That's His love. That's His kindness. That's God doing exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything we could have ever thought or even asked for in prayer. And, and He gives him a sign. And this is the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing which He has spoken. Now keep in mind, again, parenthetically, one of these signs is that I'm going to deliver the Assyrians into your hand. That will be a sign for you, because that's yet to happen. But I'm also going to do this. Behold, verse 8, I will bring the shadow on the sundial, which has gone down with the sun on the sundial of Ahaz, ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees on the dial by which it had gone down. 
Wow, God can do that? Come on. He, he set back time symbolically saying, I'm going to give you more time. And that's exactly what he did. Now, this is interesting because according to 2 Kings 20, in fact, I went back into my archives when we were going through 2 Kings. Do you realize that Hezekiah at this point, when God comes to him and says, get your affairs in order, you're going to die? He was only 39 years old. Now for some of us who are like, you're just a kid, <laughs> right? 39, that's pretty young. So God gives him 15 more years, which means that he would die at the age of 54. That's still pretty young. Now again, that's going to be germane to our understanding, as we'll see here in a moment. Now verse 9. This is the writing of Hezekiah king of Judah, when he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. I said, verse 10, in the prime of my life I shall go to the gates of Sheol. This is old covenant now. This is pre-crucifixion and resurrection. I am deprived of the remainder of my years. I said, I shall not see Yah the Lord in the land of the living. I shall observe man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. I have cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from the loom, from day until night. You make an end of me. I have considered, verse 13, until morning like a lion, so he breaks all my bones. From day until night you make an end of me, like a crane or a swallow. So I chattered, I mourned like a dove. My eyes fail from looking upward. Oh Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What shall I say? Verse 15. He has both spoken to me and he himself has done it. And then he says this. I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live indeed. Verse 17, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. Now, here's a thought, and I just want to suggest this, but it seems to indicate that God answered Hezekiah's prayer, hearkened unto the voice of his cry, because he wanted him to have peace, because he was in turmoil. And I, I mention that because oftentimes God will answer our prayers if for no other reason other than He wants us to have that peace. For no other reason. I'm going to do this because 
You're in such turmoil, and I can't stand to see you in such turmoil. And He will give us that peace. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Isaiah with Pastor J.D., make sure to really think about what you're hearing and what God wants to speak to you today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly to grow in relationship with God and others. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Isaiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages on our website. We encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with your wind.